What's tea, y'all? I know some of you are out there right now having a hard time, having problems in your relationships, having trouble with life, or maybe you're on social media swiping and swiping, thinking, why can't that be me? Why can't I do that? Why well, I'm here to let you know that you can. This is Create Your Own Story with Terrell Garnett, where we not only help you create your own story, but we let you tell yours too. Let's get into it, y'all. good y'all i am back with another podcast i know you guys missed me and if you didn't well then you know that's on y'all but i have a special guest excuse me i have the hiccups um and i'm going to allow him to introduce himself hey my name is ryan lancedell i'm uh i'm a guy and i'm i'm thankful uh <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> sorry. Know, just like i'm just some guy <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, usually I never allow people to introduce themselves, but that was funny. Yeah, I'm a guy. I'm sorry. Continue. Yeah. Well, hey, already creating laughs, so this is going to be a good time. So, um, no, I'm thankful to to have this opportunity to to talk, maybe uh, share a bit of my story. Yeah, and we love to hear it. I know everybody on this planet has a story to tell, and that's the whole purpose of the podcast is for give you guys a an op- a. a- platform for you guys to be able to tell your story so i just want to start off with how 2020 was with the social injustice and the pandemic and then the whole president drama fiasco how has 2020 shaped you as a person Hmm. that's a big question i would say I don't know how much it, it shaped me, but it definitely brought out uh, brought a lot of contemplation um, with with the isolation that a lot of us have have endured over the past year. Um, I think it left space for us to really feel a lot that was going on uh, in our country. Um, but for me, particularly, um, it, it it definitely served as an opportunity to talk. So. Um, I have, I have friends who are in law enforcement. I have, uh, friends who are in education. Um, so there were a lot of platforms of which we, we really kind of discussed what society looks like right now. And, and, you know, what do we want society to look like? So I guess the current status and, and, uh, where are we heading? Where do we want to head? Where do we, what do we want? What does ideal look like? So it was definitely an opportunity for, for reflection, for sure. So what does ideal look like to you? Well, for me, um, when I, you know, a lot of the truth that I've found in my life comes from personal experience. Um, but then I also really like to read. So um, when I think about society and how it operates, uh, when I look at the U.S. in particular, and the place where we live, um, I do find a lot of um, discomfort, um, discomfort in, in sort of the dissonance between what this country states that it stands for and um, some of the apparent 
inequities and disparities that do exist economically, socially, professionally. Um, and so, yeah, so for me, uh, what the ideal society would look like is, is truly built on uh, equality, which I know it sounds like fluffy words, but um, I read this, this fascinating book by Rudolf Dreikers. It's called Social Equality. And he's an Adlerian psychiatrist who um, really outlines what equality looks like. Um, and it branches out, uh, stemming or starting first from the individual and then building uh, this picture of society um, from that individual state to then the collective and how you actually, um, I guess, express equality. And so I do know for me personally, like, um, there's been, you know, plenty of experiences and, and things that I've seen where um, it seems like if we were to, as, as human beings, just see each other as, as equals, just a foundational belief that um, this social hierarchy doesn't really exist. And we were able to kind of break that down and, and truly just see people through the lens of, of two human beings. Uh, without superiority as as a as even a factor in in our social interactions, I think that would be huge. Again, I know that's idealism, but I think at the <laughs> core of an of an idealistic society would be equality, in which we all have an equal voice. Um, then we might actually have a conversation. I totally, one hundred percent agree with you. So. Answer me this question. Why do you feel like we're more likely to engage in new dance trends on like TikTok than we are to get in like involved with either politics or just the whole quote unquote race war just to try to make a difference or even just, you know, start our own businesses? Like, why do you think that we're more keen on dancing on the gram or TikTok? So I think it's twofold. I think uh, one, because we're, I do believe that the highest valued human currency is attention. And I think that all these different social media platforms are avenues for people to garner attention. And right now dancing and TikTok videos and whatnot uh, seems to be a, an effective way of garnering attention. And so in a, in a society where people ironically are, are more separated um, socially, I guess, uh, physically separated, we, we might be connected through the ether, but, um, we're disconnected uh, in, physically. And so I think people are, are looking for attention in other ways. Um, also I think that, um, it's a coping strategy. I think some people are, are, I think more, there are more people out there that are dissatisfied with the current state of, of the human experience in our country than are, than are even aware. Um, and I think these, these avenues of, of garnering attention through social media are ways to distract people from the fact that there, there is this sort of um, this, this vapid um, sort of, embodiment uh i guess how would i I'll restate that essentially i think uh, people are 
some are conscious and some are unconscious of sort of this emptiness, this sort of cosmic emptiness um, as we kind of pursue these more vain things in life. Yeah, it's so true. Um, for me, I, uh, I can't get with the TikTok dances. I can dance, but I feel like a lot of those dances are for people that don't have any rhythm. Um, and um, on top of that, it's so much effort just to go into to do one video like the so much effort they put behind it. I'm like, I who has time for this? Like, I understand why kids do it, but as grownups that are you know trying to yeah you know live a life and you know create something more than just a dance like i I don't have time for that Mm. yeah and it's strange because like i do see some you know my wife has shown me a couple uh like tiktok profiles of of like parents you know parents who are who are getting into this too that i'm not knocking them at all like some of them are making money off of it so like kudos to them you know but i'm like i mean i guess it was cool while we're locked down in the pandemic but now that things are opening up it's like you know mm-hmm. what what now you know you part of the question you asked earlier it stands out to me because like you're, now that we've kind of we realize okay the, there are there are adults and parents who are doing this tiktok thing and some of them are making money and part of the question you're saying is like you know why are people going out and starting businesses you know they're more kind of involved with like some of these more attention seeking um things like tiktok and um yeah, it definitely for me as a as as a social worker, as somebody who's I've I've seen society at different angles, um, it, it is a bit concerning because with this this whole advent of monetizing, um, you know, some of these attention seeking social media bases, um, it takes it takes our attention away from potentially other you know, invigorating careers, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether, whether it be a service, um, of some sort. Um, so yeah, th- it's it definitely, it's interesting. So just that, that kind of brought up that thought of like, where's the direction of, of employment and vocation going? Yeah. Or is it as a lot of it going towards garnering attention and, and, uh, getting ad revenue, um, or people inventing new new services, new inventions. No, to- totally agree. So talking about like the whole Black Lives Matter movement and the whole George Floyd, you know, murder. How how did it affect you? <laughs> it affected me um, to a degree that. Uh, It's different because while I cannot relate with his personal experience as, as a, as a black man in a, in a predominantly white community that is, um, you know, here in, in Ventura County, um, I was made very much aware of the opinion of, of, um, some Europeans that I'm close to, or we'll just call them white, but <laughs> tried, I try to actually like uh, rebel by calling them Europeans instead of calling them white 
because white was, it's just a word that they created to delineate themselves from colored people. So um, I'm going to call them, they're Europeans. And um, a lot of Europeans who, who saw really this as like a cry wolf kind of situation. Like it was a, it was a non-issue. And I think uh, what impacted me the most was um, sort of this bifurcation of those who, who truly saw uh, this, this as a, um, a tipping point in, in U.S. history of like, of Africans continually being harmed either by the judicial system or directly by cops or just by hate crimes of, of myriad sorts or so that was the tipping point. And so there are people who identified with that people who saw that like myself, who could, who could feel the pain of, uh, this situation. Um, and, and this, this loss of life, the fact that this is, that this officer even had the gumption to be able to, to do what he did, take his knee and, and, sit on a man's neck for nine minutes that blows blows my mind that 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 the that the system is operated in such a way where it allows somebody to feel as though they have the authority to do something like that and that struck me but then the other side seeing people who are hearing people who just believed it was a cry wolf kind of thing of uh, you know, this is a non-issue. Why are we, you know, the, he, you know, then they try to look up his rap sheet. They try to justify, you know, the, the murder. Um, there are all kinds of ways in which Europeans were, and, and unfortunately, some other uh, <laughs> black sheep within the mix, the Candace Owens, the Thomas, <laughs> Al, Cone, the, Cones. <laughs> those who, you know, who I don't know who's paying them or how they, uh, I don't even, that's, that's a hard thing. I feel like it's like they, like you have to hate yourself a little bit. Mm. Like I I feel with the situation, no matter what color, whether it was a white man, a Mexican man, a black man, no matter what the race was, it doesn't matter if he was a criminal. It doesn't matter if he had a gun on him. Yeah. It was wrong. No matter who, who he was or what, you know, like, there's no justifying what the cop did and the fact that people are justifying it is you know crazy to me Hmm. and i think that that highlights unfortunately this this massive political and social divide within our country in which people we we have devolved to this primitive mindset where we pretty much just defend our team and and we have regressed to any sort of critical thinking and instead we'll just defend our team and and as long as you only stand for your team and don't stand for a higher truth or a higher value then you'll rationalize anything to to defend your team which is why people are coming up with all kinds of things to to say to to try to kind of diminish the the significance and the severity of the loss of life that it was that was George Floyd and the many others he's he's yeah, one, one of one of a fraction yeah and and so yeah that's where you know for me it's like um i'm i'm really just seeing that if we can rise above this very like polarized political and social 
construct that's been created for us. It's not even, it's not something that, you know, us as individuals are creating. It's, it's, it's people in power and, and Congress and, and media sources that control narratives that, that put us against each other instead of allowing us to kind of have and formulate our own thoughts and our own beliefs. And so this is an example of, you know, news stations that you can't even, some of them, you can't even, I'm, sure. I'm just going to call it out. Fox News. I was going to say Fox too. You can't, you can't watch Fox. <laughs> it's propaganda. That's all it is. And so they're, they're, they're stoking the fire of, of a particular demographic in our country. And they don't even realize that they're the one that they're, they're being manipulated. And you know, what's so crazy about Fox news. If you even look at the Fox channel, most of their shows, their lead cast are all black. Hmm. Like, so it's, it's crazy, you know, like it's. Cause, and that's, I mean, we can get into that too, where systems, systems that are, that are functionally racist, but aesthetically they look, uh, inclusive. Yeah. Have you ever watched the Carmichael show? It doesn't come on anymore. No, I, I didn't watch that. Watch it. It's on Hulu. It, it's good. Um, so Car- Gerard Carmichael, he's a comedian, and his show was like funny, but it had like a lot of racial stuff, you know, like, and it touched on a lot of different things or whatever that, mm-hmm. you know, people go through and stuff. And the reason why the show ended was because he wanted to talk about more racial stuff, and the network didn't want to do that. So he said, well, then I'm not going to to do any more shows so that's why it ended up getting canceled or um, him stopped doing the show um but anybody mm-hmm. listening definitely go watch the carmichael show like they talk about god and and schools and everything and then even like one of the episodes the his dad um was uh talking about how um <laughs> he voted for bush when bush was president and they're like what how could you vote for bush or whatever and he's like well he sent me a stimulus check so he's also you're saying that your vote can be bought he's like no but it could be stimulated <laughs> uh, and i just laughed or whatever because i felt like that's kind of what the whole thing was happening when trump was coming into office and he was saying that like well if you vote for me i'll send y'all another stimulus check and i'm like well i might just vote for him <laughs> no i'm just kidding but like it, it's it's real though like uh, like i feel that because black people in particular have been accustomed to how life is for majority of us and it's not that quote unquote great in certain areas yeah we have people that make it but usually you hear when people make it they don't go back to the hood and like help out the people that were in their community they leave so when we talk about stuff like that it's like okay well we we're so accustomed to the how this life is and how everything's going to be that when something good happens or something that, you know, maybe quote unquote coonish, um, we're, we'll do it to get out of the situation that we're in because we think that's the only option. I mean, at the end of the day, we're all humans and we all, you know, are doing our best to survive. And I think some people will sacrifice uh, a greater cause for their own personal gain. And so I, I can see how, you know, some brothers, they get out of the hood and, they don't look back and yeah. that's, you know, that's on them. Um, if that, if that's if at the end of the day, they're, they're looking to secure their own life, uh, without consideration of the greater narrative. That's, you know, they do their thing, but, um, you know, I, I think about, um, this book, know thyself by, um, 
Naeem Akbar. He's a African-American psychologist um, who he, he really pushes for um, Afrocentric education. And so um, he brings up the, the fact that Europeans have created a Eurocentric education for, you know, since the inception of public education in this country. And uh, we can't fault them for it because they're just doing what, what every culture should do. Africans should have their own form of, yeah. we should have our own form of education. Now, I'm not, I'm not advocating for, you know, segregation or anything, but at the same time, when he, when he talks about things like, um, you know, when he's talking about a legacy of competence, which he, he says is a major factor for the development of the self. Um, he's talking about understanding like each culture, whether you're Latin American, whether you're Asian American um, and European American, African American, anywhere from a, because if you're in America you're and, and you're not of native blood, uh, you're from somewhere else. And so learning your learning your heritage and and learning that where you come from there is a legacy of competence builds your self-concept in a healthy way yeah we don't have that as african-american yes i realized that this past year i took a little vacation to san diego my friends uh, one of them was her birthday and she's hispanic and we went down i don't freaking know what it's called but they have this chicano town or whatever in san diego and i was like like this is cool this is amazing like don't get me wrong but i'm like we don't got anything like that like it made me actually sad that like you know like i don't know where i came from like i've done the ancestry.com and i was like for sure because my dad's really like he's like your skin tone um and i'm like oh well then i'm pretty sure that i have white in me but he doesn't know his father so i did the ancestry.com thing and i'm like oh like i'm black black i'm just you know i just came out like <laughs> like um so it it goes you know goes to show that like there's we really don't know much about where we came from if our or well obviously if we're here in america then our our parents were our great 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 grandparents somewhere down the line they were slaves um <laughs> that's just you know what it is but i feel like that's kind of where they stop us at in a sense like that's where they think like life began for us that's what they make us think when which is not reality like we can go back not go back to africa but go to africa and see the, how they live their life granted it's not in the shape that it was when you know our great 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 whatever lived there but still like you know there's still some type of possibility that you know or something that you know we can grasp from but who has the money to fly to africa yeah. <laughs> and then even then I noticed that some Africans don't like Americans. So so you know, it's a whole nother thing. Yeah. Yeah, I went I went you know, um I went to Uganda a long time ago. It was with a church group and I actually went reluctantly because I was like I I saw how a lot of just a lot of white people in the, in the height of Facebook will go, a lot of white Christians will go to Africa, hold a black baby, take a picture and mm -hmm. make it the next, you, you know, know what's so funny that you said about a black baby. So I have this friend, I'm not going to say his name cause I don't want to shade him. And like, he's so woke. So I thought, you know, like he always talks about the social issues and I'm like, okay, so we're at a baby shower one day and he's like, you know what I really want to do? And I'm like, what? He's like, hold a black baby. 
And I thought he was joking. We all look at him like, what? And he's all holding a black baby. Like, I was like, you're, you're dead ass serious right now. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, it's no different than holding a white baby. Like, like how, like, as smart as you are and intelligent you are, that's the most ignorant thing I've ever heard you say. Like, mm-hmm. so I'm just like, the fact that, that that right there in itself, like, is a token for certain people. Like, oh, I get to hold a black baby and take a picture with it. It's crazy. Well, and honestly, it just exposes the f- the fact that they see potentially a difference in in humanity, mm-hmm. as as if, like you said, like if you've held a white baby, it's no different from holding the black baby. <laughs> yeah. Both human beings that yeah, blood and breathe air, like that's it's the same thing. But what he's indicating is that there's there's a difference, and he hasn't experienced it. So it's it's both exposing the fact that like. Oh, I see. I don't really see us as as the same type of human beings, and I'm I'm telling you that I have a very limited exposure of black babies. Whereas, yeah, there's some parts of this country where uh, where where black folks just don't interact with white yeah. people. Um, but if you're like us, you you know, born in Southern California or you know, in certain parts of this country. You got black people who are way more aware of white culture than you yeah, than their own. <laughs> yeah. Then, or then vice versa. Yeah. Or, or white people being aware of black culture, mm-hmm. you know? That's so true. Well, let me play a song so we can get off this topic. Was there anything else that you want to say in regards to this topic? Oh, man, I could go on for days, but yeah. I think, yeah, we could. Yeah, I'll have you on for Black History. <laughs> then we'll talk more about it. <laughs> um but every month should be Black History Month as well as any other race. But um, yeah, I'm going to play a record. Um, I have a few. So this is off my pro- my I said my project, like I got an album coming out. Now my playlist that is out called Terrell Garnett Presents We Still Matter. Um, it came out this past February and it has a lot of songs just about, you know, uh, us. Mm. So um, this song right here is at a time like this. And so here we go. Mama called me late last night. She said there's been another shooting. It's like a lies and nothing boys now. And the world is polluted I used to tell them I'ma stop that worrying Now I'm telling it to myself Cause when I turn on the news All I seem to view is that the world could use some help People are dying by the hand of those we trust Tragedy used to be so far away But now tragedy's here of color, we're burning with the same kind of struggle, at a time when we're fighting to breathe, and our people are crying for peace, at a time like this, at a time like this, 
turn a cheek, use a fist. People gun toting, cop cars burning, arguing in the comments. Praying God that them know the love is the goal. Heavy enough, we don't want that no more. Knowing they see that we're all desperate for peace, but no one's listening. was Mackenzie beautiful voice love Mackenzie um but yeah I just love that song and I felt like it was very appropriate to lead off of that topic <laughs> with like that with a song like that at a time like this is what the song's called so going into a different direction what would you say people may call it mistakes I call them lessons but what lesson do you feel that you've made but you still continuously make or learn I should say yeah. Hmm. I think uh more recently I've I've become aware that I tend to equate being busy with being productive. And um sometimes I just overload my schedule. And um and so I find myself in those times being stressed having a harder time you know managing all the the obligations and responsibilities and so a common mistake that i make over and over is like is is just saying yes uh i'm i'm pretty open to doing a lot of things but uh what happens is i i say yes to something and then i'm like did i did I really want to do that? And I, there were a couple things recently. Um, and, and just to clarify, I'm here cause I want to be here. <laughs> I didn't necessarily ask you. <laughs> but I'm it was saying, a mutual thing. <laughs> yeah. I'm just clarifying. Cause, okay. but I'm saying like, for me personally, like, uh, there, there are other things that I've said yes to in, in my life and it big, small, whatever it may be. It's just, at, at the end of the day, it comes down to just um, being conscious of my intentions, being conscious of, of what I want to do. So for instance, if it's prioritizing time to, to, to share my thoughts about important topics uh, like this, I'm, I'm going to make time for this. Like this is, this is important to me. So this is, this is a yes, but there are other things in my life that I say yes to that I'm you know, I'm getting into it and I'm like this, if I had thought about it a little bit more, <laughs> I would have said no. So I guess long story short, it's like, uh, the mistake I, I, I make is, is over, com over committing to things in my life and, and realizing that I'm, as I'm getting older, I'm like, Oh, I don't need to have my schedule. Doesn't need to be all booked out. It doesn't need to yeah. be like, uh, I don't need to be so busy. I'd rather um, manage my time in such a way where I have time to read. I have time to uh, just to relax and and to to be present instead of just you know constantly moving on to the next thing. No, I can I can relate to that. Like I was telling you before the podcast started that I had um, recorded so many podcasts mm -hmm. and I only released them every Tuesday. So now I'm booked out through the end of the year. 
the mm-hmm. issue with that is like okay if i find another guest that oh it's like a celebrity guest i want to put them on earlier that means i have to push back somebody else's podcast and which isn't necessarily fair to them because like okay we recorded this podcast four months ago but it's now it's coming out oh gosh someone would call me right now let me just decline this <laughs> oh where's my thing did you hear that yeah but you know you gotta love apple's integration though yeah it- like i put the snooze on this so i wouldn't get the call but oh, <laughs> obviously and it's funny it's sky she's probably gonna hear this literally um uh hold on i'm so sorry guys literally um every single every single time um <laughs> i'm on a podcast she calls <laughs> like i like like i don't know what it is literally every single time though i'm doing a podcast she calls um, hold on. I even like totally forgot what I was saying. What was I saying? <laughs> she threw me that all the way off. No, um, no, but I at first I looked at my phone. And I was like, oh shoot, is that is that mine? Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, you were but you were sharing. Oh, I know like, what I was saying. That yeah. So like I, in a sense, I've kind of overbooked with with my podcast which is a good thing it but it's a bad thing as well so like some of the get some of the episodes that i have where i was like oh really good i'm like dang now that i look at it i'm like they're not coming out until december like november you know and so now i gotta go back and tell the people i'm like i'm sorry but your episode's not coming out luckily it's nobody that's promoting really anything granted i did have a couple people that were promoting stuff so i'm like okay those have to come out before their item or whatever their music or whatever it is comes mm-hmm. out Mm-hmm. Because like then it defeats the whole purpose of them being on the podcast to promote whatever they're gonna promote if it's after the fact. But um, I get you though. Um, what I do tell people though as a life coach is to say no to everything, then go back, think about it, and then if you really want to do it, then then you can go back and tell them, yeah, actually I am able to do that. Um, and usually for me, like, but when people are like, oh, can I ask you for a favor? I always just say no. Because for me, if I hear what the favor is, I'm more inclined to say yes, even if I don't want to do it because I want to be helpful. So if I just say no, I don't have to hear it and I don't have to feel bad for whatever you're going to ask me. <laughs> um, it may be wrong, but it's just like, don't even ask me for anything because, you know, like I'm more inclined to say yes and then I'm doing it out of the wrong reasons. And then and that's just for me to be more, more. Mm-hmm. I don't want to use the word selfish, but to focus on myself more because I tend to do things for others so often that I neglect myself. So it's just a, a safety net and a boundary, I guess you could say, for myself. Hey, that's that's something that's definitely some wisdom that I can apply to my own life because I I can relate relate yeah. with you in the sense that I, you know, I tend to say yes to things. So it's it's a really good reminder for me. Um, yeah. So thanks for sharing that. Cause, yeah. and, and you don't have to say no in a bad way. It could just be like, let me get back to you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. not so sure right now, but let me get back to you. And I, you know, also too, like when I think about it right now, like, um, when we, when we say no to people, it's actually an interesting way of like creating more of a, uh, people, we might actually become more alluring when we say no, because yeah what they can't have exactly you know interesting way but then when we say yes 
then it's like, it almost like the more we say yes, the more it like almost devalues our, uh, our, I guess our time, our attention or whatever. Cause we just say yes. To and people expect it. It's kind of like, it just reminds me of that song by Beyonce. It's called yes. And when she's, she's referring this to a dude though, that she's like, I say yes to you all the time. But the one time I say no, then like all hell breaks loose. Like you're mad at me or you're, you know, this, and this, that, and the third, because you're so accustomed for me saying yes. So you may be asking if I'll do something, but you're not really asking me because you think I'm going to say yes. So in a sense, you're kind of telling me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Man, yeah. I, my wife and I have actually had to, we've, um, we've learned so much over the years. And like part of the, one of the things we've, we've learned is just the difference between a demand and a request. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, like people will uh, place a demand and they'll cloak it with a little bit of a request, <laughs> yeah. but it's really a demand. And the difference between the demand and a request is the demand. Uh, there there's only one correct answer but a request allows for a yes or a no a demand is is compliance that's the only answer it's interesting yeah so with being married how long have you been married we've been married six years now yeah i actually kind of stalked you on instagram um (laughs) (laughs) i never and it's funny because i have a lot of my guests i don't know at all but I met you at the the salon. I'm like, oh, let me just Google it, like you know, see if I could find anything. So I, fa- I had found your Instagram and I seen your wife. And I was like, oh, okay, okay, and, you know, a little. I still couldn't, I still couldn't, like I didn't know anything from looking at your profile or anything, anything nice. about you. Nice. Uh, yeah, yeah, like it didn't t- teach me anything. And granted, I I don't like to know in advance about the person when I do the podcast. I just did one recently and I had given them. The questions which I normally don't do, and uh, it wasn't a good podcast. I'll say that much, um, because I tend to just wing it and go off of what people say. But because they don't know what I'm going to ask, it makes them think, and then they'll say different things. But if you already know what I'm going to ask, you already prepared, so your answers are a little more shorter and sweet. Um, and it's kind of hard for me to go off of that. Um, but yeah, I didn't. I didn't learn anything from your your podcast, and you don't really post much. I mean, from your Instagram, you didn't really post much. <laughs> yeah, I don't even remember the last time I posted something. But like, it was actually. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> I actually have three Instagrams. I have my 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 drum Instagram, I've seen that one, <laughs> dog Instagram, and then my just my. I don't even know what the other one would be. It would just be my your personal. Personal. That's the one I seen. That one, and then I from that one I seen your drum one. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Yep. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't learn anything from it. But yeah, so you've been married for six years. How has that? What are the the struggles been, and what are the what's the opposite of a struggle? Accomplishments or? Well, um, yeah, struggles. My wife and I got married young. Uh, I think by today's standards, we got married when I think I was like, I think I was twenty four, twenty three. That's young, but it's not too young. Um, I mean, today, I feel like today's standards, like kids is having kids. So like having kids is different than being married. So I feel like I'm seeing people who are having kids, but like, like actually like putting, putting the ring on it. I'm, but, but regardless in retrospect, I am, it is. I'm realizing how young I was and it's how old are maybe, you now, if I may ask, what's that? How old are you now? If I may ask, 
I'm 30 now. So, um, so at the time, so yeah, just hindsight, I think lends a lot of clarity. And so, um, in, in looking at, you know, where I was at then, where, where we were at at that time, we were just very, we're young. We didn't know a lot about ourselves. We didn't know a whole lot about, um, really even relationships. And I think, uh, that ignorance is just kind of the result of, um, it's just the result of maybe lack of experience or lack of age or whatever it might be. Um, so that being said, we've, we've grown and learned so much. My number one thing is my wife's my best friend. Um, I think, unfortunately, one of the things that, that is a big obstacle for people to, to jump over and overcome in marriage and relationships is, is that, that narrative that we've been sort of inculcated to to believe like which is oh marriage is is romance marriage is i'm in love i'm i'm feeling all of these things and unfortunately this the fact that marriage portrayed within any you know television tv a lot of these different uh storytelling platforms portrays marriage as this sort of uh, emotional reciprocating emotional pleasure that you're basking in. And as soon as it's not pleasurable, then, well, I'm getting, I'm out of here kind of thing. And so, uh, what I've learned is, um, there's love is a skill. It can be a feeling for sure, but the feeling of love is not nearly as reliable, uh, as, as the discipline of love and, and not to make, not to make marriage this sort of rigid discipline that you have to submit yourself to. I'm not saying that at, at all, but I'm saying like learning skills, like uh, how to communicate your needs um, to, to recognize that even though movies and stories like to portray, you know, like be like Jim and Pam or, you know, even like, you know, love and basketball, many of these, these sort of like wonderful love stories that we've been told so much of it's based in emotion. And I think, um, you know, learning that like, Oh, like my spouse can't always predict my needs, which means like, I actually need to learn how to communicate what yes. my needs are. I think that's a very often misconception that people think if you know me so well, then you're supposed to know what I'm feeling in this moment and know how to do this or whatever. But it's like, I'm not, god i'm not a psychic yeah like i might know a lot about you but that doesn't mean that i know everything and what you're feeling in that current moment hmm. yeah like we we call it mind reading like because it's interesting because we mind read at times when it's totally misplaced and we're like try acting like you know what i'm thinking yeah. other times we're like how do you not know what i'm thinking yeah so true so misplaced and so I think like at the end of the day, it's like, um, you know, for me, I don't, I don't pretend like I, I know what my wife needs unless it's like overtly obvious. Like, um, you know, my wife forgot her lunch the other day. So I, I, you know, I have, my wife is a teacher, so she can't really leave her classroom. So I'm a little bit more flexible with my schedule. So I told her, Hey, I'll, you know, I'll bring your lunch at this time, mm -hmm. you know? that was a very clear need. Mm -hmm. 
She didn't really have to say, can you bring my lunch? I just said, Hey, would you like me to bring your lunch at this time or whatever? Um, and so, you know, just recognizing that like, okay, like I can, I can ask her what her need is and I can convey what my need is like, instead of playing this mind reading game that just doesn't work. Yeah. So if you could go back, would you, would you try, would you get married later and just stay longer? Yeah, it's tricky. That's it's a tricky I don't question. Wanna, I don't want I don't want you to answer it the wrong way and get put in the doghouse. <laughs> uh, interestingly enough, we've actually had this conversation. My wife and I talk about everything under the sun, and it's like, it's we've had this conversation because it's like we're so thankful for where we're at, you know, relationally and like in our life. Like we're we wouldn't want it any different right now. Yeah, um, while at the same time, we recognize that oh yeah, you know what. Maybe if we waited a couple of years, you know, uh, that might have that might have been helpful. Who knows? That might have spared us um, some grief, spared us some some struggle. But um, but at the same time, yeah, we're happy where we're at. So the answer is yes and no. Okay, I feel that. I do want to play this record because what you're saying about love, I always tell people that I feel love is overrated, mm. and and I've gotten flack for that, but. Like, I'm not saying that love's not a great thing. I'm not, like, that's not what I'm trying to say at all. I'm just saying that what, like you were saying, what we see in the movies and what we see on TV, that's not, you know, the Disney movies and all this other stuff. Like, that's not love. And usually when we see stuff like that, we see the process of actually getting with that person. We don't see the aftermath and everything that you go through to stay in that, unless you're watching, like, Why Did I Get Married by Tyler Perry or somebody. But even in those, then that's usually leading to divorce. So... (laughs) You never see the process and everything that you go through. And then even with our families and stuff, like a lot of times we don't have good role models when it comes to to love. Like, you know, our, they're just figuring it out just like we are. So a lot of people base off those things off of that. And then there's there's parents that like they say that they're, they're never going to fight in front of their kids. But I'm like, it's actually to a certain extent, if you guys know how to fight, then it is okay to fight in front of your kids so they can sh- so they can see the resolve and how to come, you know, and how to fight. But if you don't know how to fight and you guys are cussing each other out, then by all means, don't fight in front of your kids. Um, but this song is by this artist named Beige. I don't even think she sings anymore. Um, it leaked a few years back, well, more than a few years back, like over 10 years ago. But the song's called Overrated. So um, I'm going to play that right now. That's when the wonder ends Now you're looking down 
singing down um her name is beige um you probably i don't even know if you can find that song off of youtube but if you can't find it you heard it here um but that's kind of my sentiment of everything she was saying in there like you know like i've been hurt in love you know and i haven't haven't dated in it's been that long (laughs) like five years and like i feel that i'm not saying that i would never get in a relationship however i wouldn't want to i don't feel like i want to get married Hmm. i've never i've never thought about getting married so it had nothing to do with things that have happened in the past it's just like why would i want to spend that much money on a wedding (laughs) being married is one thing but having the wedding is what i'm thinking about like being married okay i'm married but having the wedding i'm like we could just have a dope reception like you know skip the you know that's actually something i would definitely do different yeah yeah because I feel like the wedding's not necessarily for you. It's for everybody else. It's for your parents, for your, you know, your family, whatnot. And I'm not paying some, I'm not paying money for, for them to have a good time, you know, <laughs> or to them to see, you know, it's not a big deal to me. Well, I know my, my in-laws and my parents, you know, paid for our wedding. And, and so, you know, they, they put on a great show and everything and we all had a great time. It was beautiful. But, but then, you know, like you, you mentioned earlier, like, you know, all the, all those those uh archetypal love stories that mm-hmm. we've heard they always stop kind of right at the hiatus yeah. right at the top where they're really feeling it and then it ends so like uh when <laughs> that top part is like the wedding 
and after that is like real life and like you know paying yeah. bills and all that kind of stuff so then you start to think like oh you mean i could have used that money towards exactly you know <laughs> getting a house or whatever like you know I, I don't know that's just my my thing on it mm -hmm. um we're almost at the hour mark and i feel like there's so much more that I want to know about you and that, you know, there's so much more that you can offer. So I'm definitely going to have to have you on again, if you're willing. Absolutely. absolutely. This uh, is yeah. Cause I'm, there's just so much more, but I do have, I'm going to run down some questions. So one of the questions that I always ask every, all of my guests is, um, if you had 10 minutes with God, what would be one thing that you would ask him? Only one. Or her. Or her, yeah. I might. I don't know. I think. I guess I would just be like, what do you think of all these religions? Like, but. Hmm. So many things. Because if I was with God, then I'd be like. A lot of your answers would already be. A lot of your questions would already be answered. <laughs> Right. And I would just be like, just fulfilled being with her. Like I, I just around the topic of God for me, I grew up, um, you know, as, as a Christian and very much engulfed in that, in that Christian world. And, and so, um, it's probably been a five year process for me now of kind of really sort of, um, embracing the questions that I always had mm. about, uh, Christianity, um, and diving into those questions, allowing myself to not only to have those questions, but then be satisfied with the answers that I come up with. Yeah. I've, uh, like looked up and researched certain things and like, I'm a firm believer in God and Jesus and all this other stuff, but I'm like, there's others, there's so many other stories that are similar to Jesus that have happened before him. Mm -hmm. Um, and, it, and now it begs the question like, okay, so were those just trials and you wiped everybody out and then you did it again? Like, you know, like, like what were, what were the dinosaurs for? If we believe in dinosaurs, uh, I'm like, you know, just, it, there's so many different questions to, to, to ask. Yeah. But I don't know. I probably wouldn't. I don't know if any of those would be one of those. Um, one person did say one thing that um, Crystal Tamar, and I thought that was like, oh, that's a really good question. She said that, like, there's so many non-believers and so many people that believe certain different things. And in the Bible, you've done all these miracle things to let make people believe in you, like parting the Red Sea and doing all this other stuff. Why don't you do that with our generation? And I'm like, oh, that's a good question. Like, cause you know, if we were able to see something like that, you know, then we wouldn't have to, you know, yeah, go figure. So my next question for you is what is your self worth based on? Hmm. Uh, my breath. my sheer existence um i think probably one of the the gravest mistake i know i've made and i'm sure many others have is tethering our self-worth to anything tangible or physical 
um, or non-physical, which could be, um, you know, social status. Um, you know, for me, I grew up playing football, um, competed, got that college scholarship, whatever everybody's fighting for, whatever, had hopes of trying to make it to the league, but, um, you know, really had a, a big shift, got to college, played about a year and a half, um, just wasn't, wasn't my thing. So I went in a different direction, but after many years of self-reflection, um, just seeing how much my self-worth was, was, um, tied to and anchored to performance and outcomes. And, um, and so in the last 10 years, there's just been a great sense of healing and, and understanding that although this world trains us to see our self-worth, um, connected and contingent upon all these other bullshit things that we pursue in life. Uh, when we, when we release ourselves from that, we understand that our self-worth is never changing that no matter what you've done, what you're going to do, uh, how good you think you are, how fucked up you think you are, like, uh, none of that bears any significance upon the immense uh, amount of worth that we have uh, as as beings connected to and derived from God. And so, um, yeah, in short, my, my self-worth is tied to my breath, which is my very existence. I love that. I love that. I had another question for you and I literally just slipped my mind. Um, damn, I hate when that happens. Um, it was a good question. I know that <laughs> all my questions are good, but okay. I remember, I remember, I remember. Um, what would you say that make, makes you insecure? Hmm. Um, growing up, uh, my light skin for sure. Uh, growing up, I was, you know, I'd get dark during the summer, right? I'm like a chameleon <laughs> makes me dark. And then right around the winter time, it's like, Oh shit, man, where's the sun been? <laughs> and, and so, yeah, I, I was pretty insecure about that. Cause you know, I certainly wasn't white enough to be white and oftentimes around other black people that, you know, they look at me and oh, you, you're just a light skin, you know, <laughs> it's a demeaning term to sort of separate myself from, you know, black consciousness. And, um, so that was something I, an insecurity I had growing up. Um, you know, I wasn't really that into dancing. I play drums. I've been a musician my whole life. So rhythm isn't really a, you know, it's a non-issue, but just not really a dancer. So like it, there'd be times where I'd feel pretty insecure when, you know, people try to put me on the spot and, and, you know, try to have me play that character that white people are so used to seeing black people play. Mm. So when they wanted me to play that character and, and, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't play my part. I wouldn't read my script. Um, you know, I'd feel, I'd feel insecure as if, um, you know, Oh, is this, you know, my, letting these people down, letting myself down or whatever. Um, so 
those are those are the two things that really come to mind. Are, yeah. are you mixed, or are you just like? So, um, my mom, she's black. She has Native American on her side. We're actually um, Muskie Creek Indian. Okay. Um, and on my dad's side, my 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 paternal grandfather is white. Okay. So that's where we get our last name Lancedale from. And then my 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 paternal uh, grandmother, my dad's mom, she was black and she was just light skinned. Like she, both of her, you know, my great grandpa Johnson was dark, dark, you yeah. know, and had her, she just came out light. Yeah, and, it's like my auntie Gigi. Both of my grandparents are dark skin, and she just came out light. Yeah, and it. Yeah. I asked, I asked my mom when I was really young, I was in elementary school, you know, cause uh, you know, I have four brothers and we're all, you know, slightly different, you know, shades and complexion mm-hmm. stuff. And I look at our extended family and got all kinds of different shades and complexions. And, you know, as much as, uh, you know, different narratives want to make uh, the African-American community look so monolithic or homogenous, we're very diverse. And um, so, you know, my mom told me, when I was in elementary school, she was like, cause I asked her, I was like, you know, why is my skin so dark? And or, not, I'm sorry, that was a Freudian slip. Why is my skin <laughs> so light? You know, um, you know, I'm looking at uncle Tommy and Aunt Tina and other people in our family. And even my brothers, like my, my brother, you know, they got darker skin than me. And, you know, my mom gave me the whole analogy of, uh, you know, it's like coffee, you know? Um, some coffee has a little bit more creamer in it. Other coffee has less creamer. Some's dark, some's light, but it's all coffee at the end of the day. And, um, that was her kind of way of, of trying to smooth over and unite that sort of, uh, cognitive dissonance that I had going on. But yeah, so that's kind of, so I got black on both sides, but I also, I have, I have white on my dad's side. Yeah. That's, uh, not good to know. I was just curious. <laughs> um, because uh, what you were saying that you were insecure about, I feel that for me, it's funny, I, I asked this question recently to most of my guests, but I never answer it. Um, but for me, I guess growing up, I didn't feel anything different in regards to my skin when I was younger or being black. I didn't think so much of it until like I started to get older and then I started noticing certain things and you know you get treated differently because of your skin tone or they think that because you're black you can do this or you're supposed to play basketball you're supposed to you know like just the stereotypes um um but none of that really made me insecure I think uh not working out makes me insecure even going to go work out makes me insecure um, uh, cause I'm like, uh, if you don't like me for how I look now, then you don't deserve me. <laughs> nah, <laughs> but, um, and then just even with this whole, I feel like code switching and everything with the whole Black Lives Matter movement and just in certain jobs that I've had, like I've noticed now more so than it ever like because i i speak up about it i've had incidents at work where i i felt like i was put in a position to look like the angry black guy um 
And that just infuriated me because, and then I, you know, pop off a little because, you know, it's just do. And then I'm just like, why did I do that? Why did I let you put me in this position? Like, I'm upset about it. Um, sorry, there's like a damn spider up here. And we don't do spiders where I come from. <laughs> no spider. No, now, now it's a dead spider. Um, so I feel like that, that, that has been challenging um, in itself to, to be okay and be my unapologetically black self. Um, I think that that is something, hold on one second, I'm getting feedback. Mm -hmm. Where's this feedback coming from? Something that I've, um, been an insecure struggle to to really be myself my unapologetically black self i saw if i had to say anything i think it would be that yeah sorry i'm just trying to fix this but again we're at the one hour mark and i told you it would only be an hour i feel like there's so much more we could talk about but we'll have to have you on again just to get more of your story and how it was for you going up and stuff um but I do want to thank you for coming on and being a part. Is there anything that you would like to to share that you haven't yet or that you want to, or we can wait for another time, or is there anything you want to say? Yeah, we'll have to we'll we'll have to do a round two for sure. Cause yes. I, I appreciate, you know, just your questions, your thoughtfulness and everything. This has truly been a pleasure. Um and I think that, you know, what you're doing and and really sparking the consciousness and awareness of um, you know, people's individual stories. This is, this is a worthy mission, my man. So thank you. Uh, thank you. Yeah. I, um, little backstory. I always want, I wanted to create, so you know how like we have this big women's movement and which I'm all for, I applaud and everything. Um, but I'm like a guy's guy. Like there's girls that are girls, girls. I'm a guy's guy in the sense of like, I didn't have my father. So I want to be able to give to people that you know what i didn't have in a sense so whether i'm the big brother the little brother the, like i just want to be able to provide or whatever and i feel that um a lot of times how society portrays men and how you're supposed to be like this and this is what makes a man a man like i want to be able to break those stereotypes so originally i had wanted to do a um like a documentary of a sense and then from the documentary i wanted to have like a a um what would you call it a um a conference of some sort for guys and stuff none of that happened um not yet at least um you gotta make that happen man because i'm on the same wavelength as you we got to change the definition of what masculine even means exactly and like and i tell people tell us like you do like you do realize that like men are actually like scientifically proven that men are actually more sensitive than women even mm -hmm. from birth um, but if you're, if you cry, then you're looked down upon depend, you know, so I, you know, and then there's the whole, uh, mental health issue cry, you know, that people don't want to talk about or don't want to go see, seek help and all of that's, you know, needed. Like, you know, what, what they didn't have before we have all these resources now, so we should use them. But again, we'll talk more about that on the next podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> 
So if I would say if anybody wants to follow you, but you're probably not even going to be on Instagram. <laughs> no way. <laughs> hey, man, just, you know, if you're going to follow, if you want to follow me, follow him. No, I appreciate that. And you can follow me at Terrell Garnett underscore. That is T-E-R-R-E-L-L-G-A-R-N-E-T-T underscore or on my website at TerrellGarnett.com. And that's pretty much it. Um, thank you again so much for being on the podcast. I uh, do want to play this record because I've just been wanting to play this record. So I'm not going to play my normal outro music. Um, it's like my theme song right now. Um and you'll probably laugh when you hear it. But it's by Toby Noigi and it is called Try Jesus. Um and everything about this is my mood for the rest mm. of the 2020 one, 2021 and beyond. So here's Try Jesus. Try Jesus. Yeah. Not me. Yeah. Cause I throw hands Yeah Try Jesus Please don't try me Because I fight Talk to him, Luke I know what he said Yeah About getting slapped I do But if you touch me or mine we gon' have to scrap Ooh. Everybody say Try Jesus huh. Don't try me Come on Because I fight <clears throat> I have no problem laying these hands Yeah Try Jesus Not me Everybody say, try Jesus, not me, not me, not me, cause I throw, cause I throw hey. yeah. Luke, if you would, please, oh, we said, turn the other cheek, turn the other cheek, turn the other cheek, oh, but that's one part of my Come on. don't sit right with me, everybody say, try Oh, don't try me Because I fight I have no problem laying these hands Talk to him, Dave So try, Jesus